I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Come Along Pond, a Doctor Who discussion podcast with your hosts, Elliot and Damla. I really enjoy exaggerating words, have you noticed? How are you, Elliot? Not at all. That's my, <laughs> that's my, best, my best exaggeration. I love it. I love, um, it's, it reminds me of Drake and Josh when Josh is like, emphasis! <laughs> or just anything David Tennant says. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm all right, you know. I'm good. I feel like I say that every week, but I'm actually all right this week. I'm I'm excited to be back <laughs> and recording with you as always because it's my favorite thing. As we come hurtling towards the end of series two. What do you mean the, the series ends after this? What are you talking about? We go to straight to series two. <laughs> what are you talking about? No traumatic two parter to discuss. Rose Rose goes on holiday and then realizes she just wants to go traveling on her own, and she, the doctor comes and sees her now and then. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? That's canon. Canon, that's some, that's some canon shit right there. And thankfully, of course, no satellite five this week. No fresh hot news coming in, going too fast. No, we love news, but sometimes it's like Russell. I love that you're back. We can tell you're back, and it's great. I love it. I really do. I can't stress enough how much I love it. But also, like, I need to catch my breath. Okay. However, box sets of claw season nine was announced. No, what season was it now? Was it, it was season nine, wasn't it? Yeah, it was season nine. Uh, that's how forgettable all that stuff is. With Jim Pertwee. With 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 the imposter, the imposter Jim Pertwee, <laughs> not John, on the front cover. I love Lee. I love you. But then uh, people hated the William Hartnell one. I thought it looked quite good. So hey, what do I know? Um, 
Lee, I fucking love you, bitch. Don't even get it to get me started. We fucking love you, okay? We we do. It looks great. No, I actually love that man. But it doesn't look like Jim Perley. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, if when when you're listening to this, you will be in the depths of February, and in the mid half of this month, the standard edition of season twenty four comes out. So, get some exciting time in the Rani, some Tetrap action happening. You got. Sylvester McCoy taking over as the Doctor. Terrible, terrible season, but it plugs another gap, doesn't it? So what are you going to do? But also, as Elliot seems to forget on a regular basis, you may not be listening to this in February. It might be August the 6th, 2027, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, thus is the nature of time. You can listen to this whenever, but this will, this releases. If you're, if you're a real fan, you're listening to this about a week and a half before that box set comes out. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, we have some emails we do we diddly do we've got a couple of questions and just some nice comments so the first one is from becca and becca says hi damler and elliot i just want to email and say hello hello hi and thank you as a person who loves sci-fi and fantasy media a lot of people in my life don't quite understand why i get so enthusiastic about these things so it's nice to find a podcast run by people as enthusiastic as me. I love hearing your takes on things. Us too. Thank you. Um, Our takes are the best. My favourite companion is Donna, and by extension, Wilf. Yes. And my favourite one-time companion is Astrid. I was just wondering who your favourite companions are. Um, And before we answer that, I will also just add on to the end here that Becca also says uh, that they were wondering, since it was coming up to Christmas when they were writing this, uh, what our favourite Christmas specials were. Well, Becca, I have good news for you. There is an hour and a half special that you can listen to that released around Christmas time that will answer that question for you. I won't spoil it here, but the results may surprise you. Yes. Surprise me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, so, Elliot, who is who are your favourite... So let's say, like, top two companions, just to keep it... Just to have a bit of... Because we could be here all day otherwise. Um... Oh god! Uh, if I can, I'll do one one classic and one new. Go on then. Jamie McCrimmon, love me some Fraser Hines. Mm. Love Jamie McCrimmon, and then probably I'm, I'm going to chicken out and say any of the Russell T Davies companions, but probably Rose. But any of the Russell T Davies companions, because That's fair. his companions are good. How yes. about you? Um, I'm a Martha Gurley. You know that. I love that. I love her so much. Um, as you should be. And I love Rose a lot. They, they have my heart. As much as I love Donna, Donna is Donna is objectively the best companion, just all round. Mm. But my heart is owned by Rose and Martha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's all Becca had to say. So thank you very much, Becca, for your lovely email. We hope we answered your questions to some mild interest. Thank you, Becca. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, this next one here also has a question and it is from Carl Carl says hi guys this week I was listening to Song for Ten and it's genius how much it foreshadows foreshadows? Oh, I don't think it does that but it does foreshadow the plot for series two and Doomsday uh, then the next episode Love Don't Roam is played at Donna's wedding and Ten is visually affected by the thought of Rose during the song my favourite song being the Stowaway I'm sure you both also love Song is a live performance in Voyage of the Damned. It foreshadows Astrid's death, Tensor Union with Rose, and the episode title of Journeys 
end where it takes place. I was wondering what your favourite songs in Who are. I rate them on lyrical relevance, feel-good factor, and nostalgia. Very sorry for the long email. Yeah, okay, it's not that long. Uh, you don't have to read this out if it's too much, but it would be great if you could both discuss these songs and others in any future episodes if possible. Carl, you're in luck. You are in luck. That's what we're doing. Um, well, I feel like... I feel like you're in you're in luck because we're gonna we're gonna talk about our favorite song and our favorite piece of original score and maybe at some point we will just do an episode. Oh, we dedicated will. to our to our, our love of Murray Gold. We will definitely be doing an episode on Murray and then Sagan um, separately for sure, without yeah. a doubt. Yes, we're not committing to any formats here, but yeah. So Elliot, um, what's your favorite song with lyrics in it? Uh, I like a lot of the ones mentioned, but just to be different, just to be slightly different and a bit of a pick me, maybe abide with me. Right, I thought we were going to match on this one. I mean, I, I like them all. Love Don't Roam, but Song for Ten, uh, you know, Song for Ten's a classic. I could listen to it in my day to day. If you're talking about lyrical relevance and plot relevance, abide with me is is lovely because I just think of Ten sat on that chair describing Gallifrey to Martha while the entire population of liberated new new earth sing together in harmony it's beautiful so excited for series three i'm so fucking excited yeah also fun fun fact i can't get i can't stop with the fun facts the the scene there where the doctor's sat talking about how the the leaves on the trees are silver and the skies are burnt orange is a line that susan says in the first series of doctor who adorable fun fact fun fact of the day so what's your favorite lyrical song Song for ten in it. I'm sorry. I just it's so good. A lot of people prefer the version that's in the episode Christmas no. invasion. I don't. It's all about the album version. The one in the episode's too slow. We love Nick, who sings it. Yeah. So it's so song for ten for the lyrical option. In terms of score, this is hard because I have a few that I really and truly just make me have a shiver up my spine. I would say Probably all the strange, strange creatures. That is just, that's just, it just, nostalgia. Close second is Madman with a Box. Love it. I gotta say, probably... Vale de... Because you love, um, is it Vale de Kem? De Kim? I, I, I do like, I do like Vale a lot. But, oh, vale, sorry, Vale. How'd you say it? It's a Vale, it's um, Vale de Shem. De Shem, Vale de Shem. I've heard that is yours. When I hear that, I think of you, because you always say how much you love it. In terms of getting getting the emotions out, probably the lone Dalek. If I think if I could only listen to one forever mm. for the rest of time, mm. uh, it would actually be the Council of the Time Lords from the Specials album. Anyway, um, <laughs> hope we answered your questions there, Carl, and hopefully we do in a future segment, maybe. Uh, Carl says thanks and keep up the good work. You keep up the good work, Carl. Thank you. Just while I'm loading the next one here, um, I do want to say as well that occasionally when we talk about emails, we talk about our backlog of emails, um, and I have I have noticed the number of emails has slowed down, and some people cite the backlog in their emails. When we talk about the backlog, it's not a discouragement from you writing emails. Send send twenty a day. We don't care. I just don't want anybody to be disappointed when we can't read them out like the week after they've been sent. But please don't think I'm trying to discourage you from sending emails. It's absolutely fine. Please send them as much as you would. We don't. We care. love. We love reading them. We love seeing them. It's just it was more there to be like, please don't be sad, and we're not ignoring you. It's just it's taking us a while to get to them. 
yeah, exactly. So please keep sending them in. It's not a problem. And this final one here, this is from Abby. Abby says, Hi, Demler and Elliot. I found the pot through TikTok last week, and it's made my work days a lot more bearable. I work in a small bakery. It's very That's cute. fucking in, adorable. Uh, in the basement, in the basement of a restaurant, all by myself. So when I found the pod, I was so happy to finally find a podcast that focuses on the show that basically defined my childhood. I recently got my girlfriend into Doctor Who as well. We just got up to the Husbands of River Song, and we're both crying our eyes out. Not because oh we're God. a mess. How dare you accuse us of such things? It's fine. We I, absolute messes here. It's not a problem. Yeah. Love the pod. Keep doing what you're doing, and I can't wait for you to get to season four because I believe in Donna Noble supremacy. Yes. I hope you're both well, Abby. Thank you, Abby. Abby, thank you. And Donna Noble Supremacy. Absolutely. That was fun. That, that, that was some emails. And again, as always, honestly, we can't stress enough how much the emails mean to us, how much it means to us that people even want to email in. And like we said, don't be discouraged from sending emails in. That's not what we meant at all. It's just, there's quite a lot and we have to get through them and... Uh, just wait for it. Every email will always be read out. It doesn't matter how long it takes, they'll be read out. So Exactly. They'll all be read out. Have no fear. Her. <laughs> no. Yes. That's so good. Thanks. That's a sting for this week's episode. Hooray. <laughs> So as you might have realised up top or when you clicked on this episode, today we are talking about Fear Her, episode 12 of series 2. Including the consideration. It is, I have to say every week, because someone will only <laughs> listen to this one, and the, someone will only listen to this episode, and then they'll go, actually, I think you'll find it's episode number 11. No, it's yeah. not. Not by my count. <laughs> uh-huh. So it was broadcast on the 24th of June 2006 It was directed by A. Roslin And it was written by Matthew Graham Who has only ever had one other contribution to the show And somehow this is the better episode Which one was the other one? Oh god, it's the rebel flesh and the almost people Of course, though, the most important question Right up top Is, well, I know what the, I think this episode is about I know what IMDb thinks it's about. I, I know what Google thinks it's about. <laughs> but I, you, me, want to know what you think it's about. Do you know what it's about? Cupcake toppings are actually quite an important subject matter. And I, in fact, agree that ball bearings are the ultimate cupcake topping. They're crunchy. They're not too, they're not too ab- abrasive. They make your cupcake look a bit expensive. I like them. I think they're a really important addition to a cupcake. The best thing ever. What about you? They are They are a good cake topping. Bull um, bearing. Bull bearings. I think this, this is just <laughs> about how in your daily life, if you see a cat, always chase it. Always try and stroke it because it might help you with plot relevance. Cats are so great. Always chase the cat. Always chase the good boy. The good boy. 
always bring a cat to a party. Cats, cats are good. good. So, well. 2012. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's 2012. <laughs> Six years in the future or 11 years in our past. Isn't that so crazy? Because like, when I when I see 2012 in that episode, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like six years in the future. No, it ain't. And do you remember, do you remember how good 2012 was as well? It was alright, you know. Like, I'm not, I'm not a particular, I'm not, a, not a patriotism person, but like no. the Olympics and like it was just such a cool, it was, I don't know, it was just such a cool time to like live in this country. It was like the last time anything but, felt yeah. good. Question though, I was going to bring this up at the end, but I want to bring it up now. So with the Olympics, who remembers when it was happening? And that night, Tumblr went fucking insane because apparently, this is apparently <laughs> true, David Tennant was going to be there with a torch, right? He was actually going to be there with a torch and then last minute they changed it or something like that. Yeah, isn't it? I haven't, I haven't, done, haven't done the research, so forgive me if this is incorrect. But yeah, isn't it like, like, like he can't? Like it has to be like an official like Olympic bearer or something. Like Elliot said, the research hasn't been done, but I remember online they were saying something about how like you know David was planned on carrying the torch at the Olympics because obviously it was like a shout out to Doctor Who and like it would have been quite cool, which it would have been. Um, but last minute changes. Matt Smith did carry the Olympic torch for a bit. I don't think it was obviously it was just like he was just running with it for a bit in Cardiff or something. Like there's photos online of it. Um So did you did you see the Olympic torch? You could watch the path to the Olympic Stadium. Like did you see it? Did you go out and watch it? Oh god no. No. I know that's how that's awful, but I I, I just didn't care. <laughs> Like now I would, but like when I was younger, I just didn't care. Well, at the bottom of my old road, uh huh. Um, and I'm not—I don't live there anymore, so I don't mind slightly doxing myself a little bit. Um, we lived—we literally at the bottom of our road was a country park, which is where the official Olympic mountain biking event was held. Oh. Um, so the torch had to run past our street because it has to go to all of the locations uh so i did get to see that i got to see the official like olympic parade that comes by so it's like coca-cola trucks and all that mad stuff and i did get to go see the olympic event i went to watch the mountain biking in person oh that's sick oh that's actually quite really cool wow. yeah because we were because we lived um near there like we got really discounted tickets to go watch it so that's, me and my older brother that's really cool yeah so the last thing i want to say about the david Tennant torch debacle um i remember on the night of the olympics when the queen was there and she looked absolutely fucking miserable and she's someone... just been thrown out of a helicopter by daniel craig would you expect? oh yeah sorry about that yeah sorry I totally forgot about that. <laughs> um <laughs> but i remember someone on tumblr made a meme took a screenshot of her and then wrote a caption over the top saying where the fuck is david tennant and it went kind of viral <laughs> for a bit <laughs> and you know what where where where, 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 where david what are you doing david what are yeah. you doing Where's Billy? Billy. Crime. Crime. But anyway, moving on. So 2012 is no longer in our close... No, it's now in our past. We're further away from it than they were close to it in the episode, which is terrifying. But anyway, let's... Right, so this episode, I feel like this is one of the most widely regarded episodes as being like... A lot of people don't like this episode. Um, Here's the thing. Before we get into what we think about it, I just want to point out the obvious. I did this in The Girl in the Fireplace because I can't help myself. This is literally Idiot's Lantern, but different. It is. 
It is, especially a scene right towards the end. It starts off with a young person who has an abusive household. Well, did. Well, Chloe did. Obviously, it affected them to this day. And then you get a force that is taking people away. Obviously, in Idiot's Anton, it was their faces. And in this episode, it's literally like children being taken. Just with... And cats as well. Let's not forget about the orange cat. Very cute cat. And yeah, all the shit in between. You know what I mean? Like, think about the plot of the two. It's the same. And the fact it's in the same season is quite ridiculous. The fact that the Idiot's Lantern handles some of that stuff better yeah. is mind-boggling. Because I, I we, we enjoyed the Idiot's Lantern, but it's hardly yeah. a... A triumph of writing, is it? So, I mean, blimey. No. Um, it's I think, just, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's. I think it's. Hard. I think this gets too much of a bad rap. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think it's. It's not one of the worst episodes of Doctor Who ever. No. I mean, no. For me, there are much more worse offenders. Like from from just like a ground up level, like how they're written and constructed, there are far worse episodes um, that have like worse dynamics between the leads and stuff like that in them, but. It is, it is, unfortunately, probably standout as being noticeably weaker than the rest of Series 2. I've gone on record and said there's no bad episodes in Series 2. I maintain that. At worst, this is just boring. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. The episode is regarded as being quite bad. We don't think it is. It's just, I think we both mutually agree, Domi. It's just a bit boring. Yeah, yeah. I think I, think I find it, the issue I have, I think, is that as much as it bores me, it also frustrates me. Yes. And part of the reason it frustrates me is because I think the first 10, 15 minutes are genuinely quite interesting. Yes. If hammy in places, can be, obviously, but interesting. And the, the, the pre-credits sting, creepy. Oh, for sure. It just doesn't live up to itself, which is a shame. So I think that's why. I see it being frustrating because I can, I can see pieces where it could be really good so in terms of like i completely agree with you like 100 percent. i think the isolus or the isolus whatever the fuck you want to call it i can't remember the actual creature um slash flower thing that flew into chloe's mouth that possessed her the actual concept of that is very interesting like a young girl being possessed by a creature that traps children in drawings. Like that tagline alone, if you say it, is like, oh, you've piqued my interest, you know? And, and I think as well, I don't want to be mean because people shouldn't be mean to children. Yes. Mm-hmm. But maybe just had a slightly better actor. Maybe. Or, I don't know, aged up the character. Had, had I don't know, had the character be like an adult in, like, but like. Uh, like or a childlike adult i don't know there's some there's just something about there's something do you know what it is though there's a lot of not great child actors on doctor who and that's me I'm, like i'm trying to be as nice about it as possible because like, obviously children can't well, it just depends on the child doesn't it but like yeah it's always really mean to be like this person's not a good actor because it's before they can really have a concept of you know, complex emotions and things you know it is harsh but some kids just are better at it than others and that's fine. And this is the only thing she's done as well. Yeah, and it's like, you know, for example, the young actress who plays Amy Pond in The Eleventh Hour and ongoing, she is phenomenal. Yeah. 
And I think it's because she was a teenager, like really early teenager. So she did have that bit of maturity about her. So maybe if they had just aged Chloe up a little bit, it would have been a bit more effective. Like, yeah, I'll find someone who is older but looks younger. Exactly. Yeah, and that's well, that's like the, the genius of The Last of Us at the moment. It's like, oh, they oh my a, God. They've got a 20 year old who looks like a 12 year old playing a 12 year old. And it means like they could film, it means they could film with her or them, sorry. Um, so much more because yeah. you know you don't need to adhere to like child labor laws <laughs> they can film with bella ramsey all the time which is great so we're gonna start a last of us podcast just letting you all know bella ramsey bella ramsey's great don't be mean to bella ramsey um me saying me saying they look like a 12 year old is, is not an insult it's a compliment they do look so much younger than they are it's quite they amazing. do but yeah i think you know it's important to remember that these are children Maybe the, you know what I mean, like, and I'm not. I don't think she's awful. She's just there's just sometimes where I, I'm not fully getting the emotion. Yeah. I think she does regular. I think she does regular Chloe Webber when she's sort of scared at the end very well. And I think oh she really does, good yeah, yeah yeah. I think she does like slightly angsty Chloe Webber. Well, you know the the irritation comes from how like the dialogue is not particularly good. I think that's the problem. I think most of the dialogue that she has to deliver is not great. I think. The only time it starts to stretch for me in terms of being like, you know, is the performance here good is when they're sort of insisting on giving her this kind of power behind her voice. And it's all like, it just doesn't sound good. She's, just, you know, and fair enough because she's a child. She can't convey this power of like an alien creature possessing her, which is fair enough. And like I said, the dialogue written for her, you know, I, I, to, to paraphrase, to paraphrase the wonderful cast of the original Star Wars movies, you can write this shit, George, but you can't say it. Literally. I think the problem is as well, I think when you inhibit an actor's performance, especially when they're so young and they've not had much experience, when you're telling them to deliver the lines in a whispered tone, that really inhibits the way you say stuff like, I think this is bad. Oh, I don't know, they're recording a podcast and I'm really excited. Like That's not me speaking at my normal kind of way I would want to portray myself, you know? Am I making making any sense? Yeah, you can't bring truth to the character if... The character needs to scream and shout in that moment, but you've made a creative decision that they have to speak like that. Then it really that's just your holds fault. her back. It holds her back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, I blame. I, I I mostly blame the writing for this. It's not my favorite dialogue I've ever had in Doctor Who, to be honest. <laughs> but there's a lovely little old Nan character, and oh we do God. like a bit of an old. We do love a little old lady in Doctor Who. Do you know what she is? She's that old lady in Order of the Phoenix that's like, don't put away your wand, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that bitch. Oh my God. I mean, the doctor is on a mad one. Oh yeah. Oh it's yeah. Talking, it's talking about Club Med. It's talking about edible ball bearings. His tie mm-hmm. is off. Yep. He's, it's, again, I'm much I don't like this episode. He's having sort of end of term fun before all the serious stuff starts next week. He really is. And can we just also, sorry, you brought up costume. I just want to bring up Rose's outfit, which we haven't done in a little while. So, like, welcome back to Rose Wardrobe Corner. Um, hello. Hello. <laughs> I used to think I liked this, epi- this episode. Sorry. I used to think I liked her costume. I absolutely do not. It's fucking ugly. What is that denim yeah. jacket? What is that shirt? Those trousers are a fucking crime. No, I'm not having it. That's little side pony. Iconic. We love it. But everything else. Yes, yeah, that's good. Just because, oh, next week, I, you know, again, 
no no spoilers, but her army of ghosts doomsday look with the sort of blue jumper. Is... The blue punky fish cardigan. Punky fish coming through yet again. It's iconic, so I feel like this is severely not delivering. And also, it's a tenth Doctor look I don't like either. I hadn't noticed how much like V-neck, like ugh, button up was going on. I don't like it. I think the trousers were a bit off as well. I feel like they weren't tailored correctly. I don't know what it there was, is. There was a scene that I, I noticed, and I forgot to make a note of it, so I can't remember what it is, but it's when he's talking to Chloe, uh, and he like turns to face the bed, and there's a shot from behind David Tennant, and the entire back of his suit is so crinkly. Really? Like, yeah. Like I was like, oh, that looks like they've just unfolded it out of like a, a sealed package. Like That was an oversight, wasn't it? Yeah. So... It, I mean, God knows how that happened, but it looks terrible. It's not great. It's not great. I'll find. Um, I'll find a screenshot. I'll send it to you. Yes, please do. Um, but yeah, I'm just. I'm really not here for it. Um, do better, wardrobe department. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then again, you know, I kind of miss the days of like. I mean, I was with companions. Obviously, I'm not going to go on this too much because it's not relevant completely to the episode but like i kind of do miss the days when companions were more stylish do you know what i mean like they dressed mandip in some fucking shit oh my god she's such such a beautiful woman like what is with the fucking leather jackets and the awful jeans and the horrible floral top she's not 40 for fuck's sake they don't that's like the clothes don't tell you about the companions anymore it's it it's interesting it's one of them ones isn't it it's one of them ones so that's a costume corner. Thank you for joining us. Uh, moving on. Thanks. So cats. Let's talk about cats. Um, Ten not liking cats is really sad to me, and it upsets me. Yeah, same. I think he's definitely a cat person. Well, nine was. I think it does kind of make sense. I guess ten is just a dog. I don't mean that as in like yeah, oh, what a dog. I mean that as in like you know he has the energy of a bounding Labrador. He does. And like we have said this before, if uh, each of the doctors could be an animal, what would they be? And I do think Nine is very much like a cat. And, you know, he will be affectionate when he wants to be. And then Ten is just like, oh. Speaking of affection, something I just love about Series 2 is how Rose and Ten hug at any given opportunity. Like, any little thing that happens, they're like, oh, are you okay? Hug. I love that. I mean, like, even to the... the point about Ten not being a cat person is he thinks that Rose calls him a beautiful boy. Yeah. Just random. Just randomly. It's adorable. He's like, yeah, you know, I I, I did experiment with backcombing. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. But yeah, like, I, I, I don't even take that as a joke because I can imagine she's called him beautiful boy on many occasions. Probably. Um, but yeah, the fact I'll just say this now: if you don't like cats, I don't trust you, like at all. Like, why would you not like cats? Is it because they don't give you affection straight away? Is that because you're emotionally immature? Is that is yeah, that what it is? Only grown-ups like cats. Exactly. Unless you're allergic. Yeah, obviously, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, that made me really sad because cats are wonderful, and unless when they're hungry and they meow at you until you give them food. Yeah. Enough said about that, the better. Um, Speaking of things I find adorable. Go on. So, uh, a wonderful man called Abdul Salas plays Kel. Um, oh my god. Kel? Who's Kel? Because I don't know Kel. I just lovingly refer to him as Council. He is. Council man. A standout. I adore him. He's not in it enough, though. 
He's not. I always think he's a much bigger part of this episode than he is. Oh, for sure, because he is like the reason why Rose finds the ship. Yeah, and because he's present, he's present at the finale and everything, and she hugs him. I always think, oh yeah, he helps her out a lot. No, he doesn't really. And uh, something he says might be featured on at the end of this episode. <laughs> there's there's a lot, but I can imagine what it is. Yes. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. <laughs> Hot, fresh, uh, tar. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, speaking of fun pronunciations when the doctor is discussing uh, the thing that's taking children away. He's like trying to compartmentalise it and then he goes I'm having some of that. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. exactly like your partner. Sounds exactly like my boyfriend, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. And we love All that. I could hear. As soon as he said it, I was like, oh, there he is. There <laughs> he is. No, I agree there with you. I, I absolutely agree with you. But I love how like David pronounces... Again, David's pronunciation o'clock. David Corner. David Tennant Corner. Um, yeah, pronunci- pronunciation watch. Uh, you got fingers on lips. Ah. You know how I feel about that. Good, bad, I don't know. No, no, you, I, no it's good. It's good. Good, because um, I like it. It's giving <laughs> closing time. Obviously, because when Eleven has the, um, which I love, I mean, that episode I love, but like, when he shushes everyone in the shop and they all just, because he has the power to shut people up. It doesn't always work, but when it does work, it's effective. And I think that's where the inspiration came from for when Eleven does it. Uh, it's from this, from that scene. It is a good episode, to be fair. Fingers on lips. And and, and I love how Rose is like cheekily just like, you can't see my face, uh, listeners, but I'm looking to the and side then, in a cheeky manner. And then the old woman has to ask if she can talk. Even though the doctor's Love asking that. questions, she's like, "Can I?" Oh, okay. oh, it's good. Yeah, can I just? Can I just? Yeah. Good but stuff. I, do you know what I love? I do think that old woman's a bit of a pick me. Oh yeah, she wants like everybody to know that she was totally right about everything. She's like, "Look around you. <laughs> <laughs> Kids are being taken in a blink of an eye." And she like blinks as she says it. They're not not safe. Get them inside. I love love a creepy old lady. Well, she's not creepy, but she's like weird. Like a weird old lady present in an an episode. I think it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, she could have been weirder, I think. I think so. I think she could have been a bit more eerie, maybe a bit more present, like Kel. Like, I feel like these side characters were kind of begging to be a bigger part of this. Oh, definitely. 
yeah, because instead we have a, like a twenty minute scene that all takes place inside the house, it's, yeah. which is just nothing. Everything exactly. up until they actually go and decide to visit Chloe Webber, I think, is really fine. Interesting. Then they decide to, and oh my god. I don't like the... Okay, I'll say one thing. The main thing about this episode that I don't like is the setting. The setting is very boring. And, like, I know normal people live in cul-de-sacs and they live in, like, new builds and things. But it's just... It's very ugly. Like, the setting is just not nice. But the thing it's just... It, but it is just a cul-de-sac. There's nothing interesting to it. It's not... It's not set at night. It's not... Yeah. There's There's nothing to creepy it up. So I'm going to bring an example into this that Elliot doesn't like, but you know what, Elliot? Get fucked. Um, Night Terrors. It's a bad episode. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) It's just mid. It's so mid. Spoiler alert. One of my favorite episodes of Series 6. Fucking love it. The reason I love it... Yeah, that's hardly a high bar, is it? Eek. Squeak. Anyway, so... um, Basically, in that episode, obviously it's set at night in this um, estate, kind of council estate flats. And it's so stylistically shot. It has a very, very strong style and visual look to the whole episode, which I really like. And I think that's part of it. Unfortunately, with this episode, I sorry, sorry to the camera operator, sorry to the DOP, it's not shot in an interesting way. It's very bland. It looks very, very bland. Yeah. Um, the only shot I like is at the end, when they're looking up in the sky. That's a good one. But that's... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's not particularly interesting. Um, but do you know what is visually nice to look at? Rose? <laughs> always. Billy Piper always. But yeah. the animation of the moving there wasn't enough of the animation. It was a very, very, very small part. But I loved at the start when the drawing was kind of moving on the page. And that whole element of the drawings, I just love that. And I do like the visual, like I like Chloe's bedroom design. That's very, very good. The production design really said, hello, you know. Yeah, the kid's just screaming and running towards the paper. Really good. How do you feel about the animation of the scribble? I don't think it's that bad. I think it's it's one of the better pieces of of CGI in the series, to be honest. I like when Ten is rubbing it out, you know, and he minimizes yeah, it, makes looks, it small. Yeah. That looks really cool because obviously it's made of graphite. Um, graphite. Graphite. Um, I think, I mean, look, the main thing about this episode that really stands out is the idea behind the Isolus, Isolus, whatever. It can take away living beings and living things but it can also create and that's when the idea of her trauma chloe's trauma comes into it which i think if that was explored more you could have had a really fucking good episode on your hands like really strong the drawing of her dad in the wardrobe is so that whole thing it annoys me that it wasn't explored more the potential to go further with that idea was just it was there and they didn't raise it if that makes sense they didn't make it better than it could have been if you know what i mean it feels lazy and quite insensitive it doesn't have the ideas to back it up it just feels like last minute they've just sort of gone oh yeah maybe she was abused i don't know and it's like thrown in there without any thought and there's bits where it comes through where i'm like this could be good well i think i think the idea of the if they were able to set up in an eloquent way 
the idea of the kookaburra song being yeah. something that they sing to get her through. I don't know. I just think you, it's just not completely put together because it just means the whole thing rings hollow when they sing kookaburra together at the end to get rid of the dad. It doesn't yeah. work because you don't... That's just a song you've heard a couple times. There's no expression of what it means to them as characters. Um, and of course... I think I think something it does handle well is not explicitly telling you how she was abused. I think that's yeah with some class actually. Yes, but everything just like it, just him being a ragey, angry man who just is like, "I'm coming to hurt you," is like so. Yeah, it, it just it does feel a little bit lazy, a little bit disingenuous, and it feels like that classic thing of writers who. Okay, I'm going to say writers who aren't very talented adding things that they actually have no right to be talking about into their scripts because they think it elevates it. Um, yeah. But if you do it in a, in a way where you don't know what you're talking about, it doesn't elevate it. It just makes it elevate it. It just makes it incredibly hollow. Um, Why do you always come with the better points than me? That's that's really rude. Imagine making me look shit on my own podcast. Um, I have I have a lot I have a lot of unfortunate time and experience and understanding of writing unfortunately well, well this is it it's like elliot is the writer i'm the editor that's literally the things that we are like the strongest in doing and like that's why i always love hearing your points on this kind of thing because now you've said it it's like it makes me even more annoyed that it wasn't explored more like if the episode was kind of centered more around chloe as a character like maybe if if the episode has started with the doctor getting a note on the psychic paper of like um help her or something i don't know like a little message about or even if we don't see it um cuz we usually don't we only ever really saw it in new earth didn't we mm. now that i'm thinking about it but yeah it's not it's not explored more that should be explored more absolutely um but if they got on there was just a note from like um is it trish her mum yeah lovely trish Love Trish. Uh, love the actress, by the way. But um, if it was like, because obviously Trish is so, there's so much going on in Trish's mind and she's very, very, she's just finding it all a bit much. If that message had kind of found the doctor, like her, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's too, it's all too contradictory. Like Trish, all from the start, seems like she knows that there's something wrong with her daughter. But then goes in to talk to her and puts the Olympics on her laptop by pressing a couple of buttons when she says, look what's on the TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and, like, she seems fine in that scene, and then later on she's, like, explaining how she knows there's something wrong with her, and it just always seems a little, like, there's actually no definitive... What you, what you need is you need a scene at the start when she sneaks back, when she, like, slinks back inside the house. Yeah. Rather than her going and talking to Chloe, you just need something that shows you how scared she is i don't know it's just it doesn't none of it really fits together very well but you know what at least it's not a (laughs) two-parter if we had had more of a central focus that would have definitely been a better there would have been a better outcome i think in in terms of the whole thing but again like i say it's still interesting and it's still unique like this creature that kind of like i said at the start you know does what it does it's insane bring it back Bring it back. Because I, I think what what exemplifies, typifies the the bad writing for me is the Doctor getting removed for the sort of third act. 
Oh, that's another way it's like similar to Idiot's Lantern, like when Rose gets removed from Yeah. Yeah. But like that like gives the doctor purpose and he gets angry. And I feel like they're trying to parallel it. But it doesn't work because everything is just like she doesn't solve anything. Yeah. All she does she go she goes and roughs up a kid. Which I love how much Rose hates children. Um It's great. Like she's getting really she's getting really like angry. But she doesn't solve anything. It's you know, it's Cancel man who tells her about the lump in the road, and the doctor draws the picture of the Olympic torch. She doesn't figure anything out, and it just feels really. What's the point in having the doctor not be there? I do think though it would have been better if. I mean, I don't. Yeah, again, I mean, I like I like the doctor picking up the torch. That whole thing is so oh, yeah. fucking fun. But it could have it's also it been. That. It could have also been like you know when um she chucks the spaceship and it conveniently lands into the torch um when he like holds it and it, it like kind of lights and he kind of you know whatever maybe that could have passed him out and then the doctor could have picked it up and just ran to the stadium yeah. with it that would have been cool yeah uh, yeah and instead of following him she could have then gone and watched it on the tv or something or yeah exactly yeah yeah it's there's a lot that i just don't understand how does drawing one side of the earth get you more friends if you surely if you if if Chloe if Chloe Weber exists on the planet and they're drawing the country that, that like I don't I don't understand. Yeah like, it's yeah. I understand the idea of being like, you know, oh we just draw the entire world's population because they she's got whereas like four billion siblings. But Yeah. I was I was like first of all she's only drawing one half of the globe and secondly Surely, if they exist on planet, they're going to draw the first half and then just get sucked in or disappeared themselves. Then what happens? I don't understand. Yeah, there's, I was very there's some confused. plot holes there. There's some plot holes there for sure. She's like drawing individual countries or something. Yeah. Where she doesn't live. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the UK is not featured on that map. I don't know. But like, I was just thinking if they're going to envelop the whole globe, then you're going to envelop Chloe Weber. So, how does that solve anything? No, exactly. I agree with you. Yeah, I I did notice a few little plot holes like that in this episode. It's not very clear. Um, I will say one another thing I like about the Isolus, Isolus, whatever, is preface preface. Um, <laughs> is I like how it's drawn to Chloe. That's interesting. Yeah. Again, um, wish it was explored a bit deeper. But like you know, um, it's lonely. It needs people. It needs it needs um what is it is it four billion siblings or something yeah for it to be feel yeah, it, it can't be alone and it senses that sadness in Chloe and is attracted to her because of that. I did do the number crunching to make sure the global population was enough in two thousand six that four billion was enough people and it was there was like six point two billion people on the planet in two thousand six. Yeah, I think also as well something they should have done that I've only just thought of yeah is. For the scenes when the doctor basically knocks out Chloe, um, <laughs> yeah, when it's meant to just be the Isolus, they should have done a a classic The Exorcist, you know. Oh my god, yes! Just replace the voice entirely. Yeah, instead of having her whisper. Yeah, rather than relying on this, you know, poor girl to try and deliver all this power. Yeah, you know, just dub her over. It's not. I mean, maybe they didn't have time. I guess because you've got to. Pay an extractor, and then you've also got to do all the looping. I 
understand that, but it would have been so much better. Yeah. That would have been cool, like a little exorcist moment, yeah. Meren. Meren. I do, I do have a like that there's some really strong continuity with the Doctor being a father. I was about to bring that up. Literally, you took the words out of my mouth. Oh, mm, my God. And do you know what I like as well? Rose didn't push him. Yeah, she's just like, oh, okay. She's like, and then like, while he's inside, she's just kind of looking at him like, that's and she, yeah. new information. She realises she's with a dilf. And not even. with a, She's with a gilf. With gilf. Yeah. Because I think it's weird, isn't it, how... Every when he says when he says I'm a father, I sort of go, I just go, oh that's weird, like it's new information. But then I go, but but then Susan's his granddaughter, so logically he has to have had, <laughs> he has to have had a child to also be able to have a grandchild. It just sounds so much stranger, I think. But that's just because you're just used to you're just used to the Doctor and Susan. Yeah, you know, he's never canonically had like a daughter with him, and of course maybe also heavily foreshadowing series four. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Love that. Love that. I have a fucking question, actually. No, 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 I have a question. If this is done, please tell me. So, obviously, going back to when Rose finds the ship and then they're like, oh, we need a heat source to carry, to to power the ship up. Could they not have just made a fire in the back garden? Or am I being stupid? Yeah, I mean, I... I think no, it's because it doesn't. It doesn't need to just be heat. It needs to be a symbol of love and hope. Oh really? Apparently, yeah. Because that's it's stupid, but that's what they're trying to say, isn't it? Because she's like, she's like, oh, we just need something hot, and there's like, oh no, you know, hot. It just being hot is not good enough. Um, oh right. She's like, it needs that to be something else. Clear. Something. Yeah, I think basically she's like, oh, no, hot's not good enough. It needs to be something else, but she can't place what it is. Then the Doctor points the Olympic torch, and then uh, Hugh Edwards on the TV is like, it's a symbol of peace and love and joy and happiness. And she's like, oh, okay, it needs to be all those things, which I don't know why. but That could have been made a bit clearer, I think. I, yeah, yeah. It's it's not interesting, really, is it? <laughs> but that is, for some reason, it needs to just be, it needs to be hot, but also full of joy and hope and love. Like me. Ha. So, yeah, I mean, look, mate, mate, <laughs> darling. Oh, never call me mate. That's not like mate, that. No, so, let me start it's again. Very, <laughs> very straight of you. Let me start again. Girl, uh, sweetie, <laughs> darling, sweetheart, gorgeous, gorgeous girls that we are. All right, mate. You're right. You're right. You, you can. You're right. You're right, mate. You're right, mate. <laughs> sweetie, darling. Babe, sugar, sweetheart. Um, I don't have much more else to say about this episode. <laughs> no, I'll same. be really honest with you. Um, <laughs> like the ending, I love with the torch. Like it's very, very cute and it's very fun seeing David Tennant carry the torch. Like I love that. Weirdly though, do you know what's the standout moment in the end of the episode? That's presumably not your standout moment. No, no, not my standout moment at the end. No, but it's a standout moment. Yeah, the cupcake looks so fucking delicious. Like, I love... Oh, I want it. Let me just make this completely clear. I love basic baking. A basic... Actually, basic baking isn't even basic. It's just good for a reason. Give me a yeah. vanilla cupcake. Mm. Give me a Victoria sponge cake. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. a little vanilla cupcake with white icing on top with ball bearings. Oh, yeah, good basic home homely baking is just good. It's giving Betty Crocker. It's giving nostalgia. It's giving taste. 
I need to yeah. make some this weekend. <laughs> it's giving the days we'd be able to walk into a supermarket. Back when we used to be a real country with proper values, <laughs> you used to be able to walk into a supermarket and pick up a Doctor Who cupcake mix. Oh my god, stop it. You know, with those with those little rice paper images yeah. from the show on top. I mean you can still get them for other shows and things, just not Doctor Who anymore. Sad times. You get like Paw Patrol ones and Scooby Doo ones and I wanna make cupcakes with Jodie Jodie's face on them. What the hell? Yeah. I'd yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. Come on. Yeah. Come on, BBC what are you doing, BBC? What are you doing, Tesco? What are you doing, Sainsbury? What are you doing, Morrison? What are you doing? Wait, Rose. My God. My God. My God. But anyway. And then obviously at the end we get that really not obvious at all foreshadowing. It's it's gotta be the most ham fisted the foreshadowing's ever been. Like they look <laughs> up to the sky and they're like he's like, I think something's was it a storm's coming or something, was he say? Yeah, I think if he's just like if he's just I think if if he's mopey, right, while everyone's trying to celebrate, and then she's like, What's wrong? And then he's like, Oh, I th- a, a storm's coming. That would be quite interesting. But instead, he's absolutely happy, and then what? And then she's like, "Oh, what a good night!" And then he's like, "No, a storm's coming." She's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You're gonna die." <laughs> so you're gonna die, bitch. No, it's like yeah. you know, it's like oh, they keep we'll, trying we'll to be split us forever, up, won't we? Yeah. Yeah, it's like oh, well, they keep trying to split us up, but it's never, it's not gonna happen. And he's like, well, "I don't know about that." Well, I've read next week's script, so. Do you know what I mean? Which I mean, by the way, I mean two two things there. First of all. It's it's the opening night of the Summer Olympics, but it must be the coldest summer night on record because you can see their breaths. Uh, yeah, literally. <laughs> oh, God. What a oh, lovely, chilly summer's night. So, what we like to do here at Come Along Pond, C-A-P-P, cap. 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 We talk about our standout moment of the episode, what didn't work, our most doctory moment, and our favourite quote, Elliot. Please take the stage here. What is your standout moment of this episode or moments? Or we'd like to keep it a bit brief. I don't know. <laughs> um, not really any. Um, I would I would say either the first 10 minutes that are genuinely sort of creepy and set things up very well, or David Tennant looking marmalade off his fingers. Because same. Yes, please. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So that's fair. Mine is... The Doctor holding the torch, obviously. Mm. But my main one is when Rose is like, sometimes you just need a hand to hold, or whatever it is. And she oh, like yeah. points to something, and then he looks at her and just kind of attend, holds Rose's hand, and she's like, no, I'm that thing over there. And she's like laughing. She's like, you're so cute. Stop it. Yeah, that is adorable, to be fair. And then later on, when she's like, who's going to hold his hand now? It's like, ah, ah. Stop it. So, Rose, the entire global population is at stake here. Don't worry yeah. about the doctor being lonely, please. What didn't work for you? <laughs> um, well, uh, I mean, yeah, now that you bring it up. Uh... Well, I mean, yeah, basically everything. Um, I just, again, I don't think it's particularly written well from the ground up. I would say a push um, two things that, yeah, like. Uh, irritating me most probably the ham-fisted abuse allegories or the fact that they don't want to dub the actor's voice so you have a poor child trying to convey the power of an alien creature um with some really hammy dialogue to go next to it what about you 
To me, it's similar to you, but it's for like, you. it's for, for me, for me. <laughs> so it's really we haven't done one yet, so it's just dash back to the mic there. No, but nobody saw that because usually when we speak, we both like lean back from the mic. But Elliot, literally, they, they just darted to the mic and went, for you! <laughs> that was brilliant. Um, was, think, think, of, think of the Sixth Doctor striding into a room, pointing a finger and going, villain! It was basically that. <laughs> villain! Anyway, um, for me, it's, it's basically a copy of an existing episode, but done worse, essentially. The ideas <laughs> aren't executed very well. Um, it's just it needed developing and more of a centralized theme to kind of have to be the undercurrent of the episode. Hard agree. Yeah. So, what's your most doctory moment then? Um. Well, I was going to say the torchbearer mm. because it's very doctory. Mm-hmm, it is. However, as it was already mentioned, I'll go for my substitute, which is parking the TARDIS the wrong way around. Oh yeah, that's good. No, that's good. That's the, a good the one. Two, Two parallel R's. There's a disappointed ah oh, when he opens the door and sees a, a shipping container. Then there's a really happy ah oh, when he actually steps out into the. It's it's good. <laughs> I like it. Oh, it's a sanctuary base. Oh, so I've been seeing blood control for years. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, um, what about what about you? What about me? Um, for me, it's when he eats the marmalade with his fingers and doesn't think, wow, that's fucking disgusting. Like, just, <laughs> it just doesn't have any sense of what he's doing. Oh, to be fair, though, maybe not marmalade. Not as anything wrong with marmalade, but like a, a tub of chocolate spread or something. You do just occasionally yeah. just think, oh, like you do just want to kind of, instead of using a spoon, or yeah, sometimes you just want to eat it. This is true, but also use a spoon, people, please. Oh, yeah, use a spoon, but... Sometimes the 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 urge is there. His his intrusive thoughts got the better of him. His sensory, he needs to feel it on his fingers. He needs to lick it off. It's all there. He's so sensory. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I think it's like, sorry, we shouldn't be talking about this too much. But like, I'm really passionate about it. Clearly, why would you go for marmalade straight away? Would you not go for, you know, Nutella? Do- you know, doctor is, the doctor is padding some bear confirmed. Absolutely. <laughs> They need to edit Paddington into Doctor Who on Twitter. Like, come on. So, Elliot, what's your favourite quote from this episode? <laughs> Mine's a really rogue choice. Go on. Oh, go on then. And it's because I think of the way that Welsh national treasure Hugh Edwards says this. So, it's after Chloe's abducted the whole stadium. Um, and an exasperated Hugh Edwards <laughs> says, Oh, can we join you in the box? Then it cuts to there being no commentators. Yeah. And he goes, Bob? And then the way he goes, no, not you, Bob. It's so involved. <laughs> it's he's, very funny. Hugh Edwards is giving, he's giving that 110%. Not you, Bob. Good. Brilliant. Oh, so what commentator's name, Bob? Anyway, what is your favourite quote? I have two. I mentioned one earlier, and it was, fingers on lips. Lips. I don't even know if that's a quote. It's a moment, I guess. Maybe that should have been in my standout moments, but I like the way he says it. It is the um, but my main one, my top tier, god tier quote from this episode: "You just took a council axe from a council van, and now you're digging up a council road. I'm reporting you to the council." That whole scene's great. It's great. So no, you can't go in there. It's a council van. You can't pick that up as a council axe. Hey, you're using a. You got into a council van, picks up a council axe. You dig out a council road. 
I'm reporting you to the council. Council. It was great. Love Kel. Overall, what would you give the episode out of five? We only do out of five here. What would you give it out of five? In my classic, classic way I do things, I'm going to give it a half star rating because I'm um, a pick me. Uh, I would give it a 2.5 out of five. Two and a half out of five. Fair. Yeah. What about you? Uh, two. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just slightly under being mid. Again, it's not even terrible. It's just boring, isn't it? Yeah, it's just n- not giving. You know? But as with anything in the Rusty Davis era, there's fun to be had. And it brings me joy. So who cares? Who cares? You know what I mean? Well... That brings the curtains down on another wonderful episode of the Come Along Pod podcast. I hope you had fun. I sure did. Yeah. Did you have fun? Well, if you did, you can support the show on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Come Along Pod podcast. So you can support the show on Patreon. Over there, we have one tier. It is the companion tier. It's £3. For that, you get a shout out on the show, just like Lewis, River, Bulldozer7113, Jason, Rebecca Justin-Smith and Abby Potts. They're all pledging to us. Why don't you? Well, maybe because you don't have the time and or money because times are hard. So, you know, don't worry about it. If you want to support the show without having to spend your hard-earned cash, you could also send us an email like Abby did, like Becca did, and like Carl did if you want to be cool. You can email us at comealongpondpod at gmail.com. Comments, questions, queries, Life advice, whatever. Who cares about the backlog? Send us an email. We will at least read it, and we will appreciate the time you got on to get in touch with us. It will be read out on the show at least once while we're all still alive. Email's not your bag. Absolutely fine. You can also enjoy some of our slices of content over on TikTok or over there, Cover on Pod Podcast. We have some great pinned videos. We do stories. We do fun little things, and mostly clips from the episodes. So if you haven't listened for a while and you want to remember how absolutely nonsensical we are, that's a good place to be. It's also just fun. We've got a little community over there. TikTok, not your thing. Absolutely fine. We have a Twitter that is Cover on Pond DW. We only tweet it out about once a week. That's just announced when episodes are coming out. But if you have interesting things to tag us in or you, know, you want to shoot us a DM, Chances are we will be in touch with you over there as well. But Instagram is our main platform. That is at Come Along Pond Pod. We have all sorts of wonderful things over there. Stories, rambles, polls, political statements, photographs, reels, information about when the episode's coming out, any information about delays, anything you want. It's on Instagram. Come Along Pond Podcast. Give us a follow. Go to the gram. Come on. Go to the gram. But, with all that being said, just thank you for listening, even if you don't do any of the above. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We always really, really fucking appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go on then. <laughs> go on, girl. Go on. Go on. You slag. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, it's been very lovely chatting to all of you at home as well. As always. And we give you air from our lungs. Chloe Webber. I haven't given you air yet. (laughs) (coughs) Anyway. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. Ghostbusters. See you later. (laughs) 